This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid and this week I am joined by the lovely Jack Hinton. Hello. Hello Cathy, thank you for having me today. Absolute pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Jack is here on a break from Starlight Express Mm -hmm. where he is playing the character of Brexit. Yeah. You heard that correctly. He is playing the character of Brexit. Not as evil as he sounds. Not as evil as he sounds. No. In uh, Starlight Express, which is in Bochum, Germany. And Jack is from uh-huh. Wales originally. He's also a graduate <laughs> of Bird. Yeah. So, yeah. How's, how's your break? How was your Christmas and New Year? Lush. Really, really nice. Um, Christmas and New Year I spent in Bochum uh, with the company. Uh, we had a lot of shows going on. Uh, but from January 1st for a couple of days, I went home back to Hereford to see my family. I'm now up here in London for a day just to do a few bits of business, to see a few people. And I'm really excited. This is my first time back in London in a year. So, yeah, very, very excited. Amazing. So as you know, because you're a listener of the podcast, we uh-huh. always start with a word association game. I'm so nervous. So are you nervous? <laughs> You'll be absolutely fine. Uh, okay. So first thing that comes into your head. Right. Skate school. Hard. Prosecco. Sh- fun. Ballet. Lovely. Bubble baths. Lush. Pepperoni pizza. Yummy. Spotlight renewal. Ugh. The Oscars. Oh, gosh. Trophy. Yeah, that work, yeah. Home. Uh, Bandit, that's the name of my dog. Oh. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, Springer Spaniel. Yeah, he's my everything. I love him, yeah. I think Scarlett's got Spaniels. I might be completely wrong here, but they're super cute. They are the best. Yeah. So, we always start at the beginning. Um, And as we said before, you're not really from an area that is very okay with the arts so how did you get involved with it to begin with I think when it comes to performing um honestly it's something that I've just always done uh the earliest memory has to go back to when I was about four years of age and I was singing in my bedroom uh to say you'll be mine from steps um and I would stand on my bed because that would be my stage um and I'd do the choreography from the music video um I'd sing it in my lime green toy microphone and I'd style myself in my mum's purple sequin top shop bra and I'd have like a 90s bowl cut hairdo these big round glasses and my parents have filmed it on their camcorder so now if I ever bring anyone home that's the first thing they show them so yeah I think it's always just been something I've always done and I think throughout my childhood and even my early teen stage it was pop music that was kind of my outlet like my escapism um and that would be what I would see performing to be because it was the only thing that was ever advertised to me because as you said um I grew up my dad has been in the army for my whole life um and I've grown up in different military barracks and quarters and every two years we'd move throughout Europe it'd be up to the army where we'd go to so the musical theatre land uh, was never something that I would see as a reachable goal not that being a pop star was also a reachable goal but it was at least something I could aspire towards and educate myself on I never had like formal training growing up or anything so yeah so then throughout that time um, when I was 12 I was sent to a boarding school in Surrey um, because my education was getting really hindered because I was moving around so much so I went to like a military funded boarding school 
and I did GCSEs there and I did dance, music and drama GCSEs. And then in my final year of my uh, GCSEs time, I think two years, right? Uh, my music teacher sat me down and said, you should audition for the Brit school, which wasn't far from our boarding school. So then I thought, well, I'm definitely going to be a pop star now because Adele went there, Amy Winehouse went there and Jack's going to go there. So um, in the audition for Brit school, that was kind of my first introduction to musical theatre because in the letter pack, they give you a choice of five songs that you have to sing. Um, and they're all from musicals. And naturally I picked, I want to break free from We Will Rock You. And then there was a dance round as well. Um, and he had to choreograph a two-minute dance and perform it. So naturally, I choreographed the most theatrical routine I could at the age of 15 to a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> and within two weeks of the audition, I then got a call saying I was accepted onto Brit School, which was the biggest shock, I think. I remember telling my mum and my mum near crying because it was just how did I do that? Um, so, however, there were complications because my parents were living in Germany at the time. So it would require me to have to live at this military friend in boarding school, not go to a college of which was in a contractual agreement with them, but go to a specialist performing arts college called the Brit School. Um, and the army just wouldn't be happy with funding me to live there if I were to go to Brit. So I had to give that up. And I went to this, I don't want to call it a normal college, but like a muggle college, you know. Um, and I did A-levels there. Um, and luckily, dance A-level was an option there. So then I was doing my dance A-level. And then towards the end of my two years, my dance teacher then sat me down and went, um, you should audition for this place in London. It's called London Studio Centre, which I thought would be like the fame school. And it kind of is like yeah. that. So I thought, OK, then there's a theme coming on here. I thought I'd audition for that did my audition and up until that audition day I have not had one ballet lesson not one jazz tech lesson not one contemporary lesson singing was kind of my strength so I went into that audition room wanting to sing you don't even sing in the audition you just do ballet you do your jazz and you do your contemporary and within five minutes of the plie exercises I was being screamed at to tuck my bum in and I just thought well this is it now isn't it like you know nothing can come of that um and then a couple of weeks after the audition, um, I got accepted onto their foundation course for the one year. And, you know, not many people get second chances. And I kind of saw this after what happened with me at Brit to be like my second chance. And so did my parents. And, um, you know, I did that, went to do their foundation course, turned out to be the best year of my life. Um, because that was then my proper introduction to ballet, to jazz, to contemporary, and more importantly, to musical theatre. And then doing that year at London Studio Centre was when I really fell in love with musical theatre. I knew I wanted to be a musical theatre performer. By the end of the first term, I was like a musical theatre nerd. Uh, and then February came and I the auditions happened um, and I literally auditioned for all of the colleges I could do like all the money I earned working at Pizza Hut in my spare time I just spent on all the audition fees I did all the auditions and within a year it was like a completely different story to me I was just getting offers and it was just the most crazy thing for me because I just thought how like you know um, so then I decided to go bird to do my three years and get my degree there. Um, I didn't want to stay at London Studio Centre because for me, I, I never like to feel too complacent or too assured. I like to push myself. And I said to myself, the final test to see if I really have it would be to go now to a completely new college, not a college that has so much nurtured me because I cannot thank London Studio Centre enough for what they've done for me like that they've really introduced me to everything um, but to go to another college and to be able to stand in line with all the other students and say 
I'm like them, I can do this, um, was what I wanted. And that's kind of what happened. So yeah, so I went to Bird for three years and I graduated in 2017. And I'm here now. <laughs> you are. That's, That's such an answer. I'm really sorry. No, That's like an essay of an answer. Not at all. It's it's great to it's great to hear like your whole story, and especially because you've come from a background that is not your normal mm. background, really, yeah. for very many people, let alone people who are in the right. arts. And you managed to find your way in there. It's clear that it's yeah. it's for you that you um, managed to to get there from from no experience, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny because yeah. when I was telling you I'm going to call it a story because it was bloody long enough um, but what you know when I was telling you all of that I remember the day after my London Studio Centre audition um, and because I never used my body in that way before I never did ballet or anything I had a 11 hour shift at Pizza Hut to do back at home <laughs> and, and I couldn't even really walk down the stairs because you know that feeling yeah. in your calves and then it's all knotted mm-hmm. and my mum and dad were like oh get a grip like get over yourself and I was like I can't do it um, so yeah it, it's, it's really funny, you know, just what what happens and, um, yeah. So that first day back after Christmas, oh you know, when God. you've been off for four weeks and you go back to, to ballet and jazz yeah, and, yeah. like, dad's project or something and then the next day you wake up, you're like, I cannot get out of bed. Oh, I always remember those memes and stuff that would go online on the first days back after Christmas of, like, Gemma Collins, in, you know, and it'd be, like, me after Christmas in my first, as you said, jazz class. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of me half the year, to be honest. (laughs) You know. So let's get straight in on mental health. Uh You emailed us with your amazing story, which we'll get on to later. And one of the first things you mentioned was that you struggled with anxiety and depression whilst training. Was this your first experience with mental health or is this just something that happened when you started your vocational training? Uh, Yeah, I think it was something that happened because of not because of vocational training but during vocational training um I don't remember feeling the way I did uh, before vocational training um and I think it came at a point it was in my second year of training at Bird and it was nothing at all to do with Bird it was purely me and it's you know I think it's important to clarify I still get it now I think we all still get these feelings now and we get these phases now and these moods now I, I thought back then in second year when I was having it it will disappear once I graduate if I get a job mm-hmm. but it doesn't like um, and it was just literally a case of I would look around the room and I would just I, I would have that feeling of what am I actually doing here like how am I actually going to do this um, and it was that panic um, and you put all that pressure on yourself and I think especially in second year if anyone who's listening and is currently training it's okay to feel this way whenever but especially in second year in bird it was known as second year blues um and it's that middle muddy ground of you're not quite the newbie anymore um but you're also not that well accomplished and polished yet to promote yourself as your own business and to go out of the door you're you're kind of stuck in that rut and yeah and I think I just got very, I became my own worst critic and I became overly competitive with myself and very hard on myself. And I just felt like I couldn't really speak to anyone about it because A, I didn't want to feel like I'd be burdening any of my friends with the problems because I thought maybe they could feel the same way too. I didn't want to tell my parents about it because it's it's a different world, vocational college, you know, Um, and being in that position of having to know what you're worth and push to it and you know I I was never that student that could like push to the front of the classroom and I'd even it didn't get to the point to me I'd be scared to ask a question during a class because I think I should know that question though so if I ask that question I 
automatically looked like the weakest. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it was just that constant circle in my head. And I think for four months in second year uh, in our college, we had um, someone that we could speak to and be counselled with. And it really, really helped. It really helped. And I haven't really spoken about it with my parents or anyone. But that's not because I'm ashamed of it. But I, I, if anything, I just see it as something I knew I wanted to do. I knew it would be the best thing to do. Um, so I went and I did it. And I'd encourage anybody who would ever feel that way in college or in any situation, if you feel how I just felt and if you're really not your best friend um, and you could do with a bit of self-love, um, just do it. Like go and, you know, speak to someone about it because that's the best remedy, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the fact that you said um, that you had someone who came in... Um, to, to do that means that they wouldn't have just come in for one person. Oh, no. There's yeah. obviously lots of people uh-huh. who are feeling that way and who who need that help. So even though you might feel like you're alone, mm. the school wouldn't employ a counsellor if there wasn't the demand for it. No, so, exactly. yeah. And we're also human. Mm. And, and I think, well and truly, more people go through this than you would think. Like, at the end of the day, our job is being told, especially at vocational college, I get the nature of it is to make you the strongest, most, like, sellable product they can, and it comes from a loving place. But when you're constantly being told every day that whatever you're doing, it's not quite there yet, and you've got this to go and that to go and this to go, and you look yeah. around and you think they're prettier, they're skinnier, they're better, they're bolder, you know, mm-hmm. it's... um. It's not good for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do for love, eh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is nearly a direct quote from your favourite uh, musical, a chorus line. Can you just, um, just because I loved it, just before we we get on to your, um, your story about what happened to you in Bochum, can you tell me, your audition story like how you go into auditions with it being clean because <laughs> oh, I no, loved it you will yeah. I loved it I loved it it was re- it's really oh. it's just a really positive way of looking at things yeah well I was saying to my dear friend Kathy before the interview started I was asked how I have found life since graduating um and I said that I love auditioning um, and for me it was just purely because as I said in my very long essay of a story I honestly didn't think I'd be in this position um, it was always a you know the dream image was to be in London to have that number on my skin tight top and to be in a room full of loads of people and to be dancing the same routine as loads of people and I, I love doing that and as I said when I go into an audition I immediately just imagine I'm in that opening sequence of a chorus line I mean I hope I get it and I love it. And I think it's the best thing when you're in an audition to just, this is going to sound really wanky, but to just be there for everybody. Mm-hmm. I will be that person when they do groups of fives, as soon as the music stops, clapping and whooping and hollering. Do you know what I mean? And like for the first kind of go, people look at you and think you're onto something here. But then after two, like after twice, it happens twice. It's infectious and everybody does it. And it just immediately makes for a much more nicer atmosphere. And at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat. We're all in a chorus line. We're all wanting to get it. We all want to be wearing the leg warmers. I do (laughs) so you know so yeah that's kind of how I look at it I love auditions are fun people auditions are fun yeah yeah absolutely so when you're training and since graduating obviously you've got a really positive attitude when it comes to auditioning Uh what do you do in general to keep on top of your mental health well as I said at the beginning um I am one and truly at my happiest and my most uh, comfortable state when I do performing um so throughout 
the time when I was graduating and I was waiting for work to happen and I was waiting for auditions. Um, I worked with a few gigging companies, uh, once that specialised in tributing to Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons and I had to do Frankie Valley stuff uh, with Western Jerseys and Frankie's guys. So I do that every weekend. Um, and I would just keep myself occupied. Like I'm always thinking of ways to kind of better myself. I see myself as this business and I constantly look for ways to better it. Very luckily as well, I do also have a passion in fitness and going to the gym. Um, so I try and do that four times a week and that's like two hours a day. Um, and for me, I think, in, and I think why, because in this industry, we kind of feel at times like we really have no control over where our next step is and where this road is going to take us. When I'm in that gym for those two hours, um, I know that I have, for, for those two hours, full control over every little thing I do now. And I, I look at myself in the mirror in the gym and I think, okay, well, I'm going to work on this and fix this. And I immediately see that result. Um, so I think it's important to find your other passions and pursue them as well. And never, never let go of the big dream, but find a way of making your other passions work towards that big dream too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. You've got such a great great energy about you it's fab um so you're currently playing uh, the role of brexit i, am, yeah. well, I mean is, I, yeah. is this a new is this yeah. a new name yes yeah, so brexit blessing was introduced to the starlight world i want to say just under two years ago on for the 30th anniversary uh-huh. um he was originally in previous shows known as the prince of wales train which is also very fitting um but brexit uh, you know yeah i I have a soft spot for brexit i mean i'm I'm playing him almost every night and it's great i'm doing this ensemble engine work you really got to have a knack for fixing your own character and building your own interpretation of my brexit so my brexit i reference like uncle Bryn from gavin and stacy but i also reference karen from mean girls Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, he's quite, he's a ditzy lost soul, bless him. Um, and he means no harm. He just can't make his mind up. So, you know, which I think is quite fitting. So, yeah. So, yeah. Bre- yeah. Good old Brexit. I love that. So you also, you play Brexit, but you also cover uh, Rusty, Electra and Caboose. Did yeah. I say that right, Caboose? Um, so, as I said before, before we get onto the story of your contract, which we will get onto, um, what are the challenges of being in such a highly physical show and covering all of these rules? Because I see some of the stuff on Instagram, and I mean, right. I've never even put a pair of skates on. I could not even do that, let alone... Yeah. Yeah, no, t- tell us about like, it. I feel you because before this job, I never put a pair of skates on either, nor did I ever speak one single word of German. <laughs> um, and it was well and truly... I think I'm not lying here. I think my rehearsal period was nine months. Um, and it was crazy. The first three months, it's like an intense skate school period. Um, and then after that, you go on to your staging. And then after that, they go on to do these cover uh, rehearsals. So back to back every two weeks, you're then um, in from like 10 in the morning to 11 at night. And, and you're literally just made to learn the show within like... 45 minute one hour rehearsal slots and then after those two weeks you've got to then perform a cover run of the whole show um, and then you've got to do that to be cleared and because I was yeah I was Brexit that's my first cast but then I was covering these three principal roles um, I did not even have a summer holiday it was literally just a case of from February I did skate school up until June where I finally got on stage as Brexit my process was slightly delayed but We'll, we'll discuss why in a bit. And then from June up until September, I did my cover run. So then I was cleared to do my covers. And then from September to November, it was a case of more skate rehearsals because 
there's a few ambitious things in the show which maybe in the first three months of skate school we weren't quite ready for yet and suggesting going on so all I really know um at the moment is actually how to skate which I guess is pretty cool because you know but yeah Starlight Express has kind of become my life at the moment (laughs) is it true I've always wondered you know how people say that you have to be able to um bend bend do down do the squat. yeah do the do the squat yeah. with your with your feet on the ground uh-huh. with your heels on the ground is that true um I didn't get it on my audition but I think I was a bit different because I was kind of in the movement audition I was in the not so cool audition you know the singing was mainly what I did in my audition yeah. for the roles um I'm, I can't speak on behalf of the dance audition that may be a thing um there are a few moments in the show where you gotta drop it pretty low yeah. um that was so uncool uh, <laughs> but yeah I I don't know. I I don't recall doing that myself. Sure. Um, But that's also been like a well-known thing within the building and where we've been rehearsing. So, and we have had to, there has been a few exercises in skate school and we'd literally have corridors to skate down and we'd have to literally be on our skates and throughout going down the whole corridor just to have our bed on the floor and just be like, which I quite enjoyed because once you're in that position, you do nothing. There's no work. You just stay there for five seconds. It's great. But yeah, you know. I can't do that. I could never be in Starlight. <laughs> I tried before and I'm like, no, my heels are coming off the floor. My Achilles are too short. So today I am in the King Manual Therapy Clinic in Covent Garden with the wonderful Stephen King himself. And he has been conducting some new research, which he's going to tell us about. And it's absolutely fascinating. Stephen, take it away. Okay, thanks, Cathy. So I had a question, which is, is singer's acid reflux really what we think it is? And I think the answer is no, because over a five-week trial period, 100% of the subjects have been cured of their symptoms of acid reflux. I mean, you can see the graph here they can't it's a good graph am i right i can see the graph and it's a great (laughs) graph so we put together a successful treatment protocol to alleviate the symptoms of singer's acid reflux and for now it's working in 100 percent of cases whoop whoop and where can people find out more about the research that you have conducted? So I'm in the process of presenting it and publishing it next year at the World Voice Teachers Expo and hopefully at the BVA. And this work is going to be written up into a paper and published by me. So look out on social media, that kind of thing. But I'll be posting screenshots and stuff all the time. So make sure you check it out 2020. It'll be properly published and it's very, very interesting. So thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me in the clinic again. Thanks, Cathy. If you'd like to book in with Stephen or one of the team at King Manual Therapy, go to kingmanualtherapy.com where you can find all the options. So getting on to one of the main reasons why you emailed us and wanted to come on the podcast, you were unfortunately diagnosed with cancer as you were nearing the end of skate school Mm -hmm. um, and you ended up having surgery for this. Can you just talk us through your experience with this? Yeah, so it happened just before I flew out to Germany. Um, and I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And before I moved out to Germany, I saw like a little kind of lump, as it were, just by my right testicle. Um, and it got me a bit worried. So before I went out, I went to a GP in England and they said, it's nothing to worry about. So I kind of put the issue to bed and I kind of was like, nothing to worry about. Of course there isn't, because why would I get that, you know? And then I went out to Germany. Um, and then for the two months... I didn't even look down there because my head was just so full with 
how to bloody cross over in skates and all of that stuff. Um, and then it just came to a point and I just felt really weak in myself and I never had that feeling before. And I was going into the shower and it was a week after we just moved into our flat. So it was like mid-April. So I'd have been in skate school for two and a half months now. And then this lump that used to be like the size of a pea has now become like the size of a golf ball. Um, and then I just thought this really is not a good thing. Um, so then I remember walking, it was about 11 PM at night cause I couldn't really sleep. And I remember walking to like the nearest emergency center I could, and it was like a 20 minute walk. Um, and I got there and they were like, you're just gonna have to come back tomorrow morning because we have no one now to see you. So obviously I didn't really sleep. Um, and it was on a Friday morning and it was April the 19th, um, of which, I went back and I remember that day because that was my mum's birthday. <laughs> you cannot write this anymore. Um, and I went in and he saw it and then he went, okay, you really need to go to the urology emergency center. I went there and then they did a few scans, did a few tests. They sat me down and in their lovely way, I'm sure it comes from a very loving place. They can be a bit blunt in their delivery. Um, and this young woman, uh, Vanessa, who was lovely, uh, just went to me, yeah, you got cancer. And <laughs> so I sat on the bed and my first thought was, well, darling, this has come at a bit of a bad time since it's my mum's birthday. Mm. My dad's currently on an eight-month tour in Afghanistan. Um, I can't really tell them right now. But I remember after that and after speaking with her, um, I was told I could get this tumour removed via surgery. And you, you've said it, like, I guess I'm quite a positive guy. So then I thought, well, then that's it then. That, that, that'll be it. I'll have the surgery. Things will be fine. And then all I could do then, once I left that building, I was in that building for about seven hours. So I was in there from like 8 a.m. And then it was about 3 p.m. I left. Um, and I just had to go to work. I had to just distract myself. And I just had to block out what just happened to me that morning. So I walked up to work. Um, and then I went up to the canteen. Every This was the first time I've ever been absent. So everyone was just a bit like, what's going on? Like, we, we heard you in the hospital. And I just broke down. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, guys, I have, um, I have cancer. Um, and then I went down to see the diet, like, you know, the director team in the office. And they were lovely at the time. And they were like, do you need to fly home? And I just thought, well, and truly, that would probably be the worst thing for me. It would just bring to the forefront what is actually going on and I think the best thing that I've done in that whole process was kind of just keep my mind still and work and just keep focused and just distract myself from it as much as I could so I spent that whole day just carrying on skating I um, spent the whole weekend coming in just doing full-on skate school and then I had my surgery day on the Tuesday so it was within five days which is incredible so I had my surgery day on the Tuesday the Monday, the day before, we didn't have rehearsals and it was a beautiful sunny day. So I remember me and my friends, we live on like this um, busy kind of strip. It's, it's a bit like Sandy actually. Um, and I just drank the whole day because I just thought, you know what, whatever happens, happens. But for this moment now with these people, we literally just had cocktails after cocktails after cocktails. Um, my grandma rang me wanting a heart to heart. I was like, I can't really speak right now. I'm on my 10th cocktail. Um, <laughs> and I woke up the next day and yeah, I went to the hospital. And then this is probably the scariest part of the whole thing. Um, I was lying in my hospital bed and I was under the understanding I'd have surgery on this Tuesday. Um, and the doctor comes in and said after this, they took a blood test and she went after that result, we worry that this cancer is now spread in other parts of your body. You need to go in for a CT scan. 
and her English wasn't the best. So we were trying to work out together. So then, I don't know if you've ever had a CT scan before, but they give you like this two litre jug of what I can only describe to be a mixture of fairy liquid and milk. It tastes like that. And you have to like drink the whole thing within 20 minutes. And then what that does is that shows up all your organs inside your body. So I did that. Um, I was with my friend at the time and she just had to like pitch them to me. Like we poured the liquid in a cup in like a shot measurement and we just had to kid ourselves. Like it was vodka I was drinking. I just had to be necking the whole thing. So I would have been sick otherwise. Um, And then I went into this big, massive machine um, and I remember going into this machine thinking, right, well, this is it now. Like, I, I actually, there's cancer in my body. I've got no way out of this. What have I done to deserve this? Because I'm a healthy boy. I, I don't smoke. I, I, I only really go out if my friends go out, like once a month, maybe. As I said, I go to the gym a lot. Um, I eat well. Um, and then, yeah, so then I had the machine test. And then I went out. And then very luckily, I was came back the news that cancer didn't spread anywhere it was just tumor thing tumor markers things um so then I had my surgery the next day so I went in had my surgery um and it was removed and then the doctor (laughs) advised I take six weeks off um me being a performer and me aware of the tracks I had to cover and the situation I was in I came back to skate school 10 days after surgery um and I remember my skate coach incredible guy Michael he just said to me just do what you can just get involved do what you can (laughs) and everybody was on the stage (laughs) and they were doing what we call a dragon circuit so you skate across the stage you skate up one side of the bowl you skate up to the other side of the bowl you come back down I went and did it and within like the first two minutes I fell about three times and it was literally just one of those moments like Rocky Balboa moment like you've you've honestly you've just got to push yourself you can't even waste time worrying or feeling down and I fell over and I fell over and I fell over but I just had to get through it all and well and truly even falling over it just made me feel so lucky to just actually be living and healthy and operating and coming out of this within a week being diagnosed and then getting the tumor removed and fair enough for six weeks afterwards I would have to come into hospital every Monday and get a blood test and they'd have to manage it and see where my blood level was going yeah and luckily every week it was coming on the down on the decline so that was all good that was all promising um and then at the end of those six weeks, uh, when I was completely cleared, um, three days after, I then went on to do my first show as Rusty. And it just so happened that the Queen herself, Arlene Phillips, was in attendance for that show. Um, and it was a really special moment. It was proved to myself that I've conquered the battle and I've won. Um, and Arlene also uh, brought me a lovely bouquet of flowers, bless her, upon um, hearing what I was going through. And it was a really special moment. But it's mental. Like, it's so mental. And and I think what I've done is I immediately pushed it to the side as quick as I could. And I got back into work. And I'm lucky that I'm in that position. You know, I'm lucky to be doing what I love and that I could have done that. And it it worked out well. Um, But yeah. That's kind of what happened, really. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, what? I mean, h- how old are you? 25. Yeah. So This happens when I was 24. Yeah. I mean, that's no age to be even no. 
considering having this let alone going through yeah. the surgery and anything are you having any kind of follow-ups in the UK are you no not really I, I mean I I feel bad say you know discussing what I'm about to discuss but I remember I think the main bulk of the problem as to what happened to me it was afterwards and it was not recovering physically but it was recovering mentally I was 24 I was still working so many things out and um I didn't say it but when I told my mum eventually like two days before I was going to surgery it was probably the most uh the hardest thing I've ever done my whole life I was on FaceTime the signal was shit and I was trying to tell my mum that I've got cancer and you know that that's never going to go down well um and then after the surgery I was I was 24 and then I just I, I immediately just did not feel worthy of any attention ever again of love ever again because we're young and and I kind of just had so what happened is they removed my right testicle and then they put in like a prosthetic which is cool um (laughs) it's it's all still working down there but um I I couldn't help it I just couldn't help it like I literally woke up and on my days off off work I would spend just in my bed on google like thinking do I have this now do I have that now will I ever like will I ever you know like find anyone now am I worth it is horrible and like of course like nobody knows it's not as if I walk around with a stamp on my head saying I've had testicular cancer um but there was one saint in this whole story there was this one guy and he really got me through the whole thing and his uh, John Partridge actually and a little side story when I was at Bird in first year um he came to Bird College because he graduated there and he directed a piece for our summer show and very luckily, um, I, I got into his piece. Um, and funnily enough, it was based on army soldiers. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there we are. So I did his piece. And since then, we've always been in touch. He's always kind of got me under his wing. And he's always been a massive, like, support for me. And he was the one guy who got in touch after seeing my twi- tweet on Twitter about what's happened. He's gone through the same thing. He's done the same show. He's done the same role near enough. Um, and he gave me his number and he's like, just give me a call now and let's just chat about this. And that came at a time when I was in my bed and I was just crying because I was like, I can't ring my mum about it because my mum, blessed doesn't have two balls. And I can't ring my dad about it because he's out in Afghan. Yeah. So, you know, what do I actually do? Um, and he was the guy, really, who gave me the pep talks I needed and kind of really helped me through it. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's what I mean. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I have that network. And I have that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if there's anybody who's listening to this and they're kind of going through even the remotely the same thing, send me a message because I'd want to be that person. Yeah. I would never want anyone to feel how I felt where you're in that place of feeling like you have no one and you feel like you deserve it almost and you feel like nothing ever is going to come again because of that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, and all anyone ever needs for someone to tell them that and I would love to be the person to tell anybody that so if anybody has that you know anything just please send me a message yeah (laughs) Yeah. gosh and that's so amazing that you had John there for you and that he was there to help you I know cool right hello like oh I wish yeah it's insane insane and he's yeah a beautiful soul he's very funny very nice um and yeah I feel very lucky Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you would maybe do? Because obviously you only had ten days off, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Would you do anything differently if you had 
the benefit of hindsight? Would you maybe take longer in your recovery? Would you, I don't know, speak speak to people more? Or is there anything that you would do differently? Well, from surgery, it was never a case of, they, they, they haven't, they never offered me uh, recovery mm. counseling. Yeah. They never offered me a system where I could chat to anyone. Because bless their souls, they were all German. Mm -hmm. And they could just about string the sentences, you have cancer together. You know what I mean? So I didn't, I really wasn't in that position. I could have maybe thrown the towel in. You're on a probation period for quite a long time out there. I think three or six months. I could have thrown the towel in and I could have gone home. But that would have just... Yeah. That that wouldn't be fun. And, and, And again, this just boils down to all of us how much we love what we do and how much in a way it saves us this you know I got to do what I love and it really helped and it did distract me if I was older I, I still feel I'm 25 I graduated two and a half years ago um this is my like I guess fourth professional like contract uh, like thing um had I been a bit older and have a few more things under my belt I would feel the power to, I I wouldn't feel like I have to run as quick as I can back to the factory. And I'd feel like I could sit back a bit more and be a bit more complacent in myself. But because I was so just uh, starstruck with the idea of covering three of these principal roles, um, which I would love to do. And, you know, I, I didn't want to fall too far behind. And because I still am at that stage of, constantly feeling like I do have to prove myself um yeah I I didn't I really didn't feel like there was another way around it and I I thought as well my parents were able to come out and see me a couple days after surgery my dad was granted compassionate leave Mm -hmm. but if as soon as they left I wouldn't want to be stuck in that flat on my own yeah um stressing about how I'm going to do all of this work and how I'm going to like do what's expected of me yeah so yeah I kind of I I don't regret what I did at all Um, but I do hope there'll be that time soon where maybe I can just, I I, I don't, I think what you're getting at is I didn't really put myself first first, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should do that, but we all do those things. And especially in the situation we're in of this industry and doing what we love. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so now that you've obviously been through a very challenging 2019 uh, and you're coming towards the end of your contract now how are you finding it being being out in Germany I love the time when I'm on that stage and I love you know and I do stand back and I do think I've actually done it and you know I've actually things are okay um and I'll always be grateful for like the cast who I'm with like my fellow ensemble um we all Um, are just like a tight family and I think that's because the process of the job you know you're thrown in this skate school job hardly any of us have really skated Mm -hmm. none of us really have an idea um so yeah I'll always I'm very grateful of the cast my fellow cast that was around me and helped me through it yeah Mm-hmm. And how are you? How are you mentally now? Are you are you having any any counselling? Are you? Um, do you find it easier to speak to people now that you've been been through this? Yeah, I, t- I still don't know. I, I think I, I still I've given it time to all process, mm-hmm. um, and now that I'm healthy now and I'm out of it, that's brilliant. Um, if the facility was there to have had counselling, I, I would have obviously had it, but that wasn't really an option for me. 
but I feel I feel really good and I feel really strong and it has changed me um this journey I guess you could call it everybody would always say to me before the surgery how positive I was and how positive I am and I guess I'm very positive but it really did just ground me and it really I remember waking up from surgery and being told that you know um the cancer tumor's removed and then I remember saying to myself I'm never going to stress about not being able to do 10 turns on skates again because that's just really not worth it you know I'm I'm never gonna change myself for anyone I'm never gonna put people's um assumptions of me before myself um and I've stuck to that and I'm you know I'm yeah it it has changed me and I do feel good now and I feel really happy now and I, I feel really lucky that it just all happened so quick and it was all solvable so yeah. quick. And yeah, I'm saying and a lot, I need to stop. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a good place now, a really good place, a better place than I was a year ago. Amazing. 100%. That's yeah. Uh-huh. Sounds like you've gained a lot of perspective oh my from, God, that's the word, yeah. from the experience. Oh my God, yeah. As it's been a horrible experience you've been through, but and, and very strange circumstances to go through it in being in a in a show in a different country. Mm. But you you have such an amazing energy about you. I wish people could see you right oh, now and just yeah <laughs> and you've really got a really positive I attitude about your, it. Yellow, it's your yellow jumper. It's bouncing on me. It's yeah. giving me the positive vibes. <laughs> um no and also you look at it in a positive way. I'm glad in a way that I did it all on my own mm. because all I'd be doing if my mum and dad were beside me in that hospital room was bl- bloody worrying about them you know it was kind of nice in a way to just deal with the issue head on think whatever comes from it comes from it you know it's written in the stars it's meant to be but since it all happened I did write something on my Facebook and my Instagram and my Twitter I'm not the best with writing I'm more better with speaking which is why doing this meant so much to me um but the response I got from people um and the stories I never knew people had um that we spoke about together if anything, this is what I hope this does. It kind of brings to light, it's okay to be human. Um, I, I worried about the smallest things. They said to me I might need chemo. So I worried about losing my hair because I thought, that's not how I look in my headshots. And you know what I mean? That's not a thing. That's not a thing. But you think that. Um, and I want to tell everyone now, that's not a thing. Um, things are okay. Like, things are good. And, like, in this industry especially, uh we, we, we're all there for each other and you know we've all got to be there for each other because you get these little twists and turns and bumps um and you feel like you have no one uh but that's that's never the case yeah. so yeah it's important that people know that I think and yeah ne- never feel alone I guess yeah so finally yes. Jack could you walk into a room today and say <laughs> I'm having a bad mental health day if that was the case, then yes, 100%. You know, as I said, we're all human and we're all in it together. So if I'm having a bad mental health day, they might be having one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Finish the sentence. <laughs> You're ready for it. You're ready for it. So today I woke up and thought, I need coffee. <laughs> the last book I read was, Oh, um, American Psycho. I love that book. I've read it like three times. Oh, great. Yeah. Favourite, yeah. My ideal holiday destination would be? New York. Have you been? I've never been. I've never been outside of Europe. But I'm one of those Brits and I'm like so like fascinated with the idea of America. To me, they're like another planet and I just want to go there. It's cool. And be a New York person for a day. It's good. Yeah. yeah. 
my dead or alive party guest would be? My dog. Yeah, I don't see him that much. Yeah. And he looks really cute in a party hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, my go-to shower song is? Don't Lose Your Head, Six. <laughs> in, in, in work, um, me and five of the other lads, we have casted six dicks. So it's six of us guys being the six queens and I'm being assigned Anne Boleyn because Brexit yeah. wears the green. Yes. And it's quite ironic when she's like, politics, not my thing. And yeah. I'm playing Brexit and I don't know anything about politics. So I'm on a level with the Annie B. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. Um, my favourite thing about Germany is... Christmas markets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be it. Lovely. Everyone should be more... Happy. Yeah. 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 And not so hard on themselves. True. Yeah. And finally, mental health to me is... Power. Ooh. Yeah. That is my favourite answer. Owning it and using it as your strength and not letting it become your weakness. Uh oh my gosh jack thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast it's been a pleasure to meet you lovely meeting you thank you so so much and thank you i i i thanked you before we even got this rolling but really thank you for everything that this podcast has done to all of us as a community it gives us a lot of bravery and encouragement and it's really wonderful so thank you so much for that yeah thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of industry minds if you're interested in our counselling services, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. For all other inquiries, please email info at industryminds.co.uk. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media at industrymindsuk. You can find out about all our future guests and our future events on there. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Amazing.